Shalom again. This is Reverend John Ferret. You know, for all of us Christians who focus on living as true disciples of Jesus, you can really say that the Lord's Prayer, uh, we call it the Our Father, some of us do, is one of our foundational prayers. It is so much a part of our practice that I've even attended some churches where on Sunday service, the Lord's Prayer is definitely part of that service. And people would, again, the entire congregation would recite it together. I would imagine there's many of you that recite the Our Father on a regular basis. And we'd ask, well, why? <laughs> well, Jesus, God, the Lord, he taught it, so we do it. It is the one prayer that he taught to his disciples. Now, the Our Father definitely is central. It's a central part of Christian prayer. And just as an FYI, we have two different versions, one in Matthew 6 and the other one in Luke chapter 11. Knowing that there's two versions that differ, we'll come back to that a little bit later when we get into lesson two. Now, I googled the phrase, books on the Lord's Prayer. So I took that phrase, books on the Lord's Prayer, that text, and I googled it. Wow. Oh, man, there's hundreds of books on the Lord's Prayer. So many scholars weighing in on the structure of the prayer, the purpose of the prayer, and so on. It just shows the centrality of the Lord's Prayer to Christianity. Now, this podcast series, what we want to do is we want to focus in on the Lord's Prayer. You say, but wait a minute, John. There's hundreds and hundreds of books out there on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, why do you want to uh, add anything? Isn't it all covered? Aren't we done with this? Well, I want to add another dimension to our understanding. As a complement to all the other scholarly articles and books and research, added as a new perspective, an additional perspective with regards to our understanding of Jesus' words when he gave us this prayer. Now, what we want to do differently is we want to put the prayer into its historical context. So thus, we're asking, how did Jesus, Jesus' first disciples hear this? Imagine Peter, Andrew, James, John, Paul, for that matter. How did they understand this? Just as an example, in the Babylonian Talmud, which was basically a, a completed in about 500 AD, and this is a, a complete commentary of all of the Torah written in Babylon. There's another one called the Jerusalem, Jerusalem Talmud. In tractate, you might say section Ta'anit 2a, the rabbis are commenting on the verse in Deuteronomy 11.13. And in Deuteronomy 11.13, we read that you shall serve the Lord with all your heart. Now the rabbis 
when they looked at this, they said, prayer. That's a way you can serve the Lord with all your heart. It's heart service. So, rabbinical opinion is that God implied a Torah command. He implied it. It doesn't directly say. God never said in the Torah, anywhere in the Bible, to all of the house of Israel, I demand that you pray to me. There's, there's nothing there. But here are the rabbis thinking about that verse, Deuteronomy 11.13. In other words, serve the Lord with all your heart. And they're saying that's that implication is, is prayer, a service of the heart. Now this seems, this law seems likely, and it could very well be something that would apparent, would have been apparent and in Jesus' day. Now remember, the Babylonian Talmud was completed in 500 AD. That's 500 years after Jesus. But many of these opinions and these views of the rabbis, even in 500 AD, 400 AD, 300 AD, some of them could very well be based on the way people looked at the Torah, the way people acted and lived out the Bible in Jesus' day. It seems likely. The Jews prayed three times a day. The set of their prayers uh, was called the continual prayers. They had special prayers during the morning and the evening. I mean, they were a praying people. And it's almost as if the rabbinical opinion about God's implied law in the Torah that they pray seems to have been something that was practiced or understood in Jesus' day. So for Peter, James, John, Paul, these, these are religious Jews. They're already playing, praying. And Jesus comes along and he gives them another prayer. The Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. What's so different about the Lord's Prayer? What would be so unique? Why is he doing this to disciples? Is Jesus somehow, in a sense, saying this has to substitute for other forms of Jewish prayer because the other forms of Jewish prayer did not, oh, I don't know, uh, come to a status of worthiness to be used? So again, as we study the Lord's Prayer from the perspective of its historical context, I really believe as we take a look at this, our understanding will be enriched and enhanced. I think we're going to really see some of the original purposes and intents of this prayer. Thus, our practice of praying the Lord's Prayer, as we go back into our historical context, can become even more meaningful and even more powerful as a prayer in our lives. So, are you ready? ready to walk those ancient paths and streets, ready to walk with Rabbi Jesus and the boys, ready to hear like them, ready to see what they saw, and God willing will gain insights into their understanding. Are you ready to continue to strive to be a real disciple of Rabbi Jesus? Well, let's go. This is the way. He is the way. Jesus is the only way. Now, before we begin, I recommend uh, a number of resources that will enhance your study. These are on the website, www.lightofmenorah.org. 
And remember, menorah is spelled M-E-N-O-R-A-H. So Lighta Menorah, like if it's all one word, www.lightamenorah.org. And if you looked up Truth Nugget 6, you would see the description of this session. And in that description, you're going to see links to videos by Dr. Brad Young on the Hebrew heritage of the Lord's Prayer. I also will link you to his book that is available on the Jewish background of the Lord's Prayer. And also a link to his articles at the website that I highly recommend, Jerusalem Perspective. Dr. Brad Young is an esteemed, highly credible scholar in the Hebrew heritage of our faith. If I recall, I think he's a Baptist minister down south. I may be wrong on that, but I know he is a Christian minister and also one who has studied with the great scholars at Hebrew University, one of them, Dr. David Flusser. So his material is excellent, and I link you to that material because it will enhance and help you go deeper into the study of the Lord's Prayer. So, Jesus, why add another prayer to the list? Why burden the disciples with more prayers when the fact is they were probably praying so much and in so many different ways? We saw that it's probable that they, Jews in the first century, believed that God commanded them to pray because, boy, did they pray regularly, daily, and consistently. They said the Shema. Shema basically means to hear so that to understand and there to follow up to do. Now the Shema, they would say the morning and the evening. It's not a prayer, but it's a set of verses. And you can look them up. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, and Deuteronomy 11, 13 to 21, and Numbers 15, 37 through 41. Those are the verses that they would memorize and recite both in the morning and in the evening. It was, like, it was like the declaration of their faith, the declaration of who they were in relationship to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which means that Jesus probably said the Shema both in the morning and the evening because he was never accused in the New Testament of not doing that practice. They had daily prayers that are now called, of the, that are now called the Amidah, the standing prayers. They had prayers, these daily prayers, that they said three times a day, consistently and continually. Remember Cornelius. He's the Roman centurion. He's the Roman centurion that was practicing Second Temple Judaism. So let's go to Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 8 to read about him. Now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, 
whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now notice in there, it says, he prayed continually. The Greek word there, Strong's number is G1275, is dipantos. And it means continually, over and over again, consistently. However, the word is also used in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 6. And so in context, we might get a better idea of praying continually every second of the day. I mean, this man was a centurion. He was a busy man. He had a lot of things to do. He didn't pray every hour of the day, every second of the day. That's ridiculous. But in Hebrews 9, 6, we read about the priests who entered the ta tabernacle continually. Well, not continually, but daily. So we really have the idea that what Cornelius could have been doing because of the way this adjective is used here, de pantos, both here in Acts 10 and then in Hebrews 9, that Cornelius could actually be saying the daily prayers, those prayers that were said every day, consistently, continually, three times a day. Gives us a better idea of what Paul meant when he said in 1 Thessalonians 5, I think it's, yeah, it's in 16 through 18. Pray without ceasing. Pray every second. That's ridiculous. No. In the Jewish context of those days, and he's speaking to the Jews at the synagogue at Thessalonica. They understood it. Paul is saying pray daily, each day, forever. This implies also that Paul may have understood what the rabbis were saying in that day, and that is that God implied a Torah command to pray, perhaps. So, devout Jews in second temple in the second temple second temple period, they prayed continuously. In other words, they prayed every day. They had a set of prayers that they prayed three times a day. day. But why another prayer? What's going on? Now there's one verse that gives us the possible idea. This is in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And it says, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily, etc., etc. And so here's the Lord teaching them the Lord's Prayer. Now, the key word in these verses is the key word disciple, a disciple of Jesus, ask Jesus. This is the clue that helps us reconnect to the culture of Jesus' day. A disciple of a rabbi, Jesus was called rabbi, is not just a student or a passionate follower of a great teacher, but a Hebrew disciple is a person that's so intimately related to their rabbi that the rabbi became like the spiritual father of the disciple. The disciple would call their rabbi father, and the rabbis would call 
their disciples who followed him, his children. And the disciple, his life now is committed to being just like his rabbi. There's another link that I've provided at the website. Again, you can find it at the end of the description of this session from Ray Vanderland. And the title of it is called Rabbi Talmud. Talmud is the Hebrew word for disciple. And in there you can get more insight into this intense commitment. So check that out at the website. And again, another resource for you to add to your study of the Jewish culture in Jesus' day. That is the background for the Lord's Prayer. Now, for a disciple of any rabbi in those days, there were four things that were demanded. First of all, to memorize the rabbi's words. So Matthew, he wrote the Sermon on the Mount, and he's a disciple of Rabbi Jesus. And he's supposed to memorize Jesus' words. So it makes sense that if that's what he did, we get to see how he wrote. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He had memorized Jesus' words. So they had to memorize the rabbi's words. They had to learn and practice the rabbi's traditions and interpretations. They had to imitate their teacher's actions. So number three, imitate their rabbi in what he did. Hey, now, do you get it now? We in the church talk about the imitation of Christ. Where do you think we get that from? It's Jewish. Yes, we are to be true disciples of Rabbi Yeshua, and we're to imitate his actions. Finally, in those days, after receiving the rabbi's blessing, probably two, three years of walking with the rabbi, living with the rabbi, learning the rabbi's interpretation and application of the Torah, that finally the rabbi would say that to his disciple that you've made it, and it's now time to bless you so that you can go and make disciples and keep on spreading the application of living God's word. Now in Luke 11, we have a disciple, a disciple of Jesus, which means this is one who passionately wants to be like Jesus. This disciple wants to imitate Jesus in how he lives. He sees Jesus praying. The disciple then asks, huh, maybe asking himself, what words are Jesus is using? What, what, how, how did Jesus pray? What's his posture? What's his mannerisms? I want to be like him. This is his purpose in life. This is what the disciples wanted to be. They wanted to be like their rabbi. They wanted to be like Jesus. So the Lord's Prayer is not a new prayer added to the list to burden the disciples. It's a prayer that a true disciple of Jesus wanted to incorporate in their walk with God. Why? Because it became central to the disciple's life to be like his rabbi, to imitate Jesus. So Jesus prayed his prayer to the Father. We call it the Lord's Prayer. In Hebrew, Chatefila Adonai. But the disciples... They're taught his prayer because they want to be like him. Jesus knows this. So he gives them how he prays to them so that we can be like him. So it becomes the prayer 
of the disciples. Jesus gave them Hatafila Adonai, the prayer of the Lord, or the Lord's Prayer, and it became Hatafila Talmid, the prayer of the disciple, or Hatafila Talmudim, the prayer of the disciples. So for us today, this is an interesting new perspective from the historical context. We now wanting to be disciples of Jesus, we pray this prayer to strengthen our purpose to again focus in on that goal of becoming a true disciple of Jesus. We pray this prayer to imitate and be a reflection of Rabbi Jesus. We say this every day, or should say this every day, but every day this means that we remember Jesus and how he prayed. We become a reflection of Yeshua, who is Lord and Savior, Messiah and God. When we go back to the historical context and put this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, in its context, this becomes bigger than we imagined. So come, let's pray continuously. Let's pray daily. Let's use Hatafila Talmudim, the prayer of the disciples, which Jesus gave us. Hatafila Adonai, the Lord's Prayer. He gave it to be ours. Let's be a real disciple. Now in the next lesson, we're going to take a look at Matthew 6, 7, and Jesus is commanding us not to use senseless repetition. We'll take a look at that in more depth. That's praising or praying using a set of words over and over and over again until they become meaningless. But for me, once I learned the Lord's Prayer and recited it, memorized it, and then recited it, I have to say, these words of Jesus bothered me in Matthew 6-7 because the Lord's Prayer, for me, I recited, and I there were many times I didn't even think about what the words meant. Maybe this has happened to you as well. I remember growing up as a Catholic boy, and praying the rosary. I remember I was Catholic elementary school. We prayed the rosary once a week. We'd have a chapel. I don't know whether it be Wednesday or Friday, but we'd all, the entire school, grades kindergarten through eighth grade, we all went to pray the rosary together. And the Our Father and the Hail Mary became, I mean, we just recited it over and over and over again, and I wasn't even concentrating on the words. I remember as a boy, I just wanted to get out of there. That was a long set of prayers. So how do we recite the Lord's Prayer? Hatafila Adonai. How do we recite Hatafila Talmudim, the prayer of the Talmudim, the disciples, and obey Jesus' command at the same time? Very interesting. This is the second aspect of the Lord's Prayer as we continue in this study. So see you next time, and I wish you shalom.